This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I love talking NBA with this guy, and he's very kind on a very busy day to make time for the show. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Woike Sports. That's Woike, W-O-I-K-E. He is a national NBA writer for the Los Angeles Times, and he joins me now on CBS Sports Radio. Dan, happy free agency, my man. This league never sleeps. <laughs> it is a, uh, it's a fun day. You know, I'm sitting here. Uh, I'm not really a spreadsheet person, but like over the course of the day today, I just felt like that was the best way to kind of sort out everything. And when you look at it kind of in total and you see, you know, 38 or so announced signings, um, some trades, uh, tons of action. And the big takeaway for me, Danny, is, the Eastern Conference looks a whole lot different than it did uh, yesterday, and it could look even more different after Kawhi Leonard makes his decision, and it just seemed like there are a lot of teams that are just in go-for-it mode right now. And do you think that's because teams see it like the layperson sees it, that it's wide open in a way that the NBA isn't usually? Sure, and I mean, I think if Kawhi Leonard's back, it's open still, right? You know, this was a team that was a, um, a really good bounce away from being out of the playoffs in the second round a year ago. Right. But you, if Kawhi you know, goes to the Lakers, I'm not sure if it's that wide open. Yeah. I mean, the Eastern conference is, is, is certainly more open, right? Like it's essential. I, I, it's one of those things too. You, you get to the finals and you just see what happens. You don't know. Look at golden state this year. Um, you know, losing two of their three best players, um, you know, in a matter of, you know, what 30 minutes of, or I'm sorry, like probably like 50 minutes of court time. You, right. you know, so you just kind of get there. You want to get there, but you look and you see, you know, obviously what Brooklyn did today. Um, look at the way Philadelphia reshuffled their deck. Um, you know, obviously Miami adding Jimmy Butler, but like even, you know, Milwaukee just doing what they could to stand pat. I mean, you know, this is a team that spent over, you know, $250 million today, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a realization of kind of where the conference is right now. Um, and it just feels like there's a little bit of a power shift. Did anyone make an obvious mistake today to you? I mean, I probably wouldn't have released a statement if I was Steve Mills. That feels like a big mistake. Um, kind of apologizing to your fans for your free agency sort of miss when, when you've already got two players signed. Um, you know, I, I think the contracts that I, I didn't love the Randall contract. That's a little high for me on him. I on a guy who's kind of a one-way player at a time when the league needs two-way guys. Um, you know, the Brogdon deal is an, an interesting one. That's a lot of money for someone with foot injury problems. Um, but I like it, I think, on the whole. The, to me, the Rozier deal feels like kind of the most egregious. Um, $58 million for a guy who hasn't proven that he can really run a team. Um, he had a, a, a kind of a magical two months in Boston a year and a half ago, and since then has been really uneven. I don't really understand what Charlotte's thinking is there. It, 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 to me, they're in a prime bottom-out position. Um, you know, it's, it's not a market that, that should be that active in free agency. They don't sign guys. Um, and when you do, you overpay and it feels like they really overpaid for Terry Rozier. 
Um, that one stands out to me. I thought the Thaddeus Young signing at first for the Bulls was a little bit of a head scratcher, but but I think I've come around to liking it. Um, I like. I mean, he sort of plays a position that they have a lot of guys in those positions, but it's sort of that position list, you know, kind of three, four hybrid that can guard and, and, and he's a good teammate and he's a good pro for young players. So I, I, I think a lot of teams did really smart stuff today. It was just a ton of money changed hands. Dan Wykey from the LA times is our guest. So let's talk LA teams here for a yeah. second. What do we make of the fact that Kawhi is waiting and now whatever team he signs with, if it's not Toronto, might be missing out on the ability to add players as they sign elsewhere waiting for Kawhi. Sure. I, I think that affects the Lakers more than it does the Clippers because sort of the Clippers path forward um, in a lot of ways was either going to be Kawhi or Kevin Durant. And, and, and then, you know, that would put them on one path. If not, um, I, they're not really in like sort of a freak out position that they return the bulk of a roster that, you know, won 48 games or so last year that went you know, toe-to-toe with the Warriors in the first round. Um, they can afford to stand pat, I think, in terms of, um, you know, maybe they can make some moves around the edges. Maybe they bring back Pat Beverly, Michael Green, stuff like that. Um, but, you, you know, they, they didn't miss out a ton today. Uh, for the Lakers, it, I think it could be a really big deal. I think that we saw a bunch of guys that were kind of on their radar go off the board, and if they miss out on Kawhi Leonard, you know, even a, even a deal as simple as, at Davis at $10 million, right? Like not, not having the ability when you only have 32 million in cap room, not having the ability to kind of grab one of those players to grab guys sort of um, at the, at the bottom tiers of free agency that, that can play rotation minutes that come in an affordable price tag. I thought JJ Redick for 13 million a year, um, you know, would be the kind of deal that the Lakers um, would have been thrilled to have seen if, if they were going to be in a position where they were going to split cap room up between two or three players. And, and, and because they were forced to wait for Kawhi Leonard, which they absolutely should, they, you know, if you're in that conversation and they're very much in that conversation, you should wait. Um, but that, you know, it, that waiting has a cost. And I think it, it hurt them a little bit today in terms of their roster building. In terms of a backup plan, is it D'Angelo Russell for the Lakers? Yeah, it seems that way, um, and, and I, I don't love it um, as sort of a as sort of a plan for them. Um, I, I think one of the big lessons Danny I took out of last season um, has to do with the Boston Celtics, and, and it you know, and some of it is chemistry, and some of it was their leadership issues. But I also think it's really hard when you when you tell ascending young players um, who are coming off of very good years to go do less next year. Um, and that, that's what the Lakers would essentially be asking D'Angelo Russell to do. Um, they would not want his usage to be at Brooklyn Nets levels, not on a team with LeBron James, not on a team with Anthony Davis. And, and we've seen other guards in this position struggle. Um, I, I think it's a hard thing to do, um, uh, particularly when you're going to a guy who's as ball-dominant as LeBron, um, you know, to become more of an off-the-ball player, to become more of a selective scorer, um, you know, D'Angelo Russell was in a lot of ways the Brooklyn Nets offense last year, and, and it was a good offense with him having the ball. He was an all-star, um, was a good playmaker, could take really tough shots and make really tough shots. Um, that wouldn't be what you would necessarily want from him. I like it would be more of a catch-and-shoot situation. That's why, you, you know, it's weird. You almost – I mentioned a guy like Pat Beverly before. In, in, in a basketball sense, he almost makes, to me, a, a more seamless fit, a guy who – doesn't need to handle the ball, who's a 40% better spot-up shooter, um, who plays really, really tough defense. That, to me, fits better basketball-wise. 
But here's the thing for D'Angelo, too. Guys that good at that age don't really hit the open market that often. There aren't that many 23-year-old all-stars running around an unrestricted free agency. And I do think that signing a guy like him for the Lakers, um, it writes a mistake they made a few years ago. And, I mean, he's a very good player. And, 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 I, and I think, generally speaking, very good players tend to figure it out. Dan Wojcicki from the LA Times is our guest for another couple of minutes here talking NBA free agency. We'll get to your calls coming up at the top of the next hour. What do you make of the report from Ramona Shelbourne and Woj that Jim Dolan wasn't willing to offer Kevin Durant a max? I mean, it sounds a little bit like I can't qu- uh, you can't fire me, I quit type of a situation. Uh, yep. um, you know, it, that's sort of what it feels like right away. Um, I had heard the Knicks had sort of faded um, uh, from Kevin Durant over the over the past couple of days um, that they didn't think they could get him. Um, whether or not that was because they weren't going to offer the full max, which it turns out it didn't even take to get him. Um, you, you know that he took less money to to make this work in, in Brooklyn. Um, but but you know it, it's to me it's more the same with Jim Dolan, um, who who has not been a good owner for that franchise, um, who. who they, you know, they they're able. They're in a position where they can just print money and not even have to be a competitive team. Um, you know, good for them for spending Julius Randle. But guess what? They've got a they've got a floor to hit anyway. So it's not like, you know, oh, they're really going for it now. Like they're spending money right now because they have to. Um, this was a huge miss from them. Um, you don't go on radio in in March and say we're the mecca of basketball. Everybody wants to come here. And and then come out of you know a day when everybody in the Eastern Conference is making huge moves, and you come out of it with virtually nothing, um, except looking terrible. I I, I think it, I mean, but look, this isn't a guy who understands optics or anything like that, anyway. So I uh, wasn't surprised by that level of reporting. Um, it, you know, I wasn't surprised that that's their justification for it. But you know, to me, it's like if you're going to trade Chris Porzingis, um, you know, you're doing it because you're creating cap room because you think you have a chance to get a superstar not because you think you can get Julius Randle and Taj Gibson. So how did it happen from the Nets standpoint? Because they were in the worst shape of any team in the NBA after, you know, they made the big trade with Boston. And I understand that's a long time ago, but how do you, how did this happen where KD and Kyrie are choosing to go to New York, but not the Knicks? I think it's a great question, and I don't think like the full story on this has been told yet, but I think, obviously, you give a ton of credit to Sean Marks, their general manager, um, and you give a lot of credit to Kenny Atkinson, their head coach. I, I think, um, you know, there, there's something that kind of happens in this league. When, when you play teams and, and you see them on a nightly basis, players notice, and, and, they, and they notice which teams and have kind of a good feeling about them, a good spirit, a good situation, a good culture. Players talk, and, and you know, Brooklyn, over the course of this year particularly, had a lot of buzz around the league, um, had, had taken a lot of really smart risks on players, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, who, you know, the Bulls didn't, could, couldn't make it out of camp with the Chicago Bulls when they need point guards so desperately. Don't um, remind me. You know, yeah, guys like that. Uh, you've got guys like Karis LeVert, um, who they drafted, you know, because of uh, he was injured and, and they took a chance on him. They obviously took a huge risk with D'Angelo Russell. Um, they built they built a really nice culture, and, and obviously New York as a destination still has some luster, and, and, and it feels like it's a victory of culture um, and timing 
by having the cap room, by, by staying flexible enough and being patient to when these guys kind of are available, you, you know, being able to provide them a home. Now, I think it'll be a really interesting question if the Los Angeles Clippers come out of this empty-handed um, to kind of ask themselves, well, why not us? Um, you, know, you know, what was wrong with us? Why weren't we able to do this? Look at what the Brooklyn Nets did. Maybe part of it is, is, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis already being in L.A., and that being a much more credible sort of threat than the Knicks. Um, that's the first thing that jumps out to mind. But it's all you can really ask for if, if you're one of these teams. is You remain flexible, you have patience, you have young assets, and when the doors open, you know, you rush people in, and that's what Brooklyn was able to do. Last thing, 30 seconds or less. Let's say Kawhi stays in Toronto so he doesn't go west. Mm-hmm. Who's, the, who's the second best team in the west behind the Lakers? The Utah Jazz, I think. Um, it feels like I, I love what the Utah Jazz did today. Um, Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich is a really, really good player. Shot 42.5% from three last year without Victor Oladipo. Added Mike Conley already. They play great defense and they got some offense. They're a team to watch. Dan Wojcicki, LA Times. You're the man. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.